Yeah, come on. Hey, welcome everybody to the first night of High School Fuse on every single campus except a couple of campuses to let you know about. Charleston and Myrtle Beach and Hilton Head are not live in person with us tonight on their campus because of the hurricane is hitting the coast right now and tomorrow the next couple of days. So they've been evacuating. Everybody's been getting out. So they're joining us online. So happy to have you guys online. Everybody here in Anderson and every other campus turn and wave. Say, hey, everybody watching online that's hope you're safe from the hurricane. Hey, uh, we, we, we love you guys. Hey, hopefully you've already heard this and seen this and felt this at your campus. But tonight is the first night of, of a brand new season for us. And some of you have been a part of what this is, this student ministry, Fuse, is for a long time. Some of you are new. Some of you are new again. You're, you're jumping back in. It's a great time to it. Um, some of you are, are, you know, you're just veterans. You've been here for a minute. And so tonight kind of feels a, a good bit different. And I just want to say, we, we've been praying and working and sweating and thinking and working and praying and sweating, getting ready for this season, not just physically, not just changing up nights and making sure we get teams of volunteers on both nights and making sure we let moms and dads know when to drop off, when to pick up and all that sort of stuff. But we have been praying so much into this. And the reason that we've been spending so much time in prayer about this is because we really do believe in our heart that the very best ministry we can do for you is in this setting. And so I want you to know whether there's 400 high schoolers in your room or whether there's 20 of you guys and you're sitting around, I just want you to know God's not necessarily looking out and seeing if there's like this big, massive thing that he can breathe his life into. He's looking for just a handful of people that are willing to really give their life to him. And he can do some incredible things through that. And so I believe that this next season is gonna be incredibly special. And because of that, I'm just gonna tell you this. Our time together is gonna be a lot less preachy, like somebody up here who's really flashy and trying to like blow your mind and give you three points to take home, to make sure you remember and put it on your door. My job, I'm gonna try to teach you. And the reason I'm gonna try to teach you is very simple. Um, Anybody here that has a walk with God that's even a little bit worth following, that's just a little bit older than high school, will tell you this, the only way that they really got there and stayed there, the only way that they really sustained their walk with God is not because they grew up hearing really, really great preachers. Because sometimes the guy up here, the girl up here, they're gonna lay an egg. All right. Sometimes you're going to fall asleep. Sometimes you're going to come from football practice. You're going to be too tired to pay attention. Sometimes the weather's going to be bad. But I'm telling you, anybody who's got a walk with God who really is worth following, they love spending time in their Bible. And not only do they love spending time in their Bible, they know how to open this Bible and read it and understand what it is. And they know how to feed themselves. They're not just walking around needing somebody to tell me what this is and show this to me and and tell me what this is about. Because at some point they took it upon themselves to open this word, to receive correction and teaching and discipline. So now when they open this up, they can go to it themselves and they can read a verse and they can go, oh my God, this is satisfying my soul. God, I'm growing closer to you. I I never grow tired of this. And so part of our job in preparing you for the rest of your life over this next season of high school fuse is to help you fall deeply in love with this Bible. And so we're not just going to be up here just preaching and trying to, you know, be flashy and dress cool and all that sort of stuff. And, it, you know, that's, that's, we're not just going to throw cool lights and, and smoke machines and, and stuff at songs. And we're going to do all that stuff. It's going to be awesome. What we're going to do is we're going to try to prepare you to go and win at life. Because some of you in here, you have an anointing on your life to lead people in worship. And so we're not just going to sing songs to you. We're going to hand you a guitar or a piano or a microphone. And we're going to say, hey, lead us. 
Some of you have a calling on your life to teach people the word of God, men and women. And so we're not just gonna sit here and try to blow your mind and fill up your notebook with notes for you to take. We're gonna hand you a microphone and a Bible and say, hey, teach us what this says. Some of you have an athletic ability and skill set that is going to gain you influence in your school and on your team and in your county and all that sort of stuff. And you're going to be a leader one day. And so we've got to not just say, hey, man, good job and get you a crowd around you. We've got to teach you how to steward your influence so that people around you look at you and they don't see you, but they see God's hand on your life. Some of you in here in the next season of your life, you're going to find someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with. You're going to get married. You're going to graduate. You're going to go off to college. You're going to get into the military. You're going to step into the workforce. And all of a sudden, our ability to sit here with your youth group on a Wednesday night is going to go away. But you're going to have this with you. In your dorm room, you're going to have this. When that boy breaks your heart, spring break, and you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, you don't know who to call, you're embarrassed, you're going to have this. When you get to college and it's not what you thought and you get in that sorority and it's not what you thought it was going to be and you don't know where to turn, you don't know who to call and you lost all your friends and mom and dad think you're okay and you don't know, you're going to have this. And so if we don't show you how to fall in love with this, then we're going to fail you. If we don't show you how to look beyond the big stage of whatever room you're in and look beyond the cool screens and look beyond all that and see the word of God and fall in love with this text the same way that everybody who loves Jesus and who follows him, they don't just, it's not hype, it's not just this exciting thing. It's, they read this and they see, man, God put on flesh and he came to do this for me. And they fall in love with it. And the more they read it, the more they learn it, the more they learn it, the more they understand it, the more they understand it, the more it it frames their mind, it frames their walk. It begins to make them make decisions they would never have made. It begins to make them look at the world in ways they never thought they could look at and see value in people, regardless of where they grew up or how much money they have or what color their skin is. It allows us to see the world the way God created it to be seen so that we can create the world the way God intended it to be. It's in here. And so that's why I'm telling you, Bring a freaking Bible to Fuse. That, you could laugh. Okay, I'm serious. Okay. Uh, bring a Bible. And bring a journal. And write stuff down. And take notes. And if you get bored listening to me talk, then just pick a piece of the Bible and just read that for 20 minutes. And write down whatever God says to you. And when the songs come on, if you don't know them or you don't like them or you're just too tired or you smell horrible from playing basketball, maybe that's me, um, then, then don't sing them. Just pray and talk to God or pick another Bible or just read it. Every second you spend in this word is an investment you're making into your soul. Invest. Dummies spend money. Wise people invest it. The same is true about your life, your time, your soul. You can spend it on everything, but you can invest it. Some of the best human beings that I know in the entire world who have helped more people, who have created more change and put more good into their neighborhood, into their world, they're not that smart They don't own a big business. They don't drive beautiful cars, but they know this book in and out and they live by it. It's life to them. It's their daily bread. It's they, they would rather, they would rather go a day without food than go a day without a a, a passage of scripture. I just got to have it. I got to put it in my life. You got to have, we've got to grow into people that have that level of love for the word of God. And if you don't know it, you won't love it. So our job is to teach it to you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to help you grow up. And some of you are grown, like some of you at, seriously at campuses are like you're in your senior year and you got, you know, a bigger beard than I got and you got, you smell grown, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of nasty. Some of you got grown big girl plans, like some of you, you know, so, some of you are grown, but some of you are on the way to being grown. 
And this season of life for you, this high school season, I'm just telling you, raise your hand if you're between the ages of 14 and 19 at every campus. All right, look around. Everybody with their hand up's got an authority issue. Look, you should. You're in the season of life where you're convinced that you know more than you do. And it's fine. Everybody, I was there. Everybody that you know was there. But you don't know what you don't know. And so we don't just want to give you information. We want to give you context for the world that you're growing up in, for the things that you're going to experience, so that you don't just fall in line to whatever peer pressure comes your way because you feel like the only way you can get to know the world is by the other people who think they know what they're doing. And they don't. And the Bible is so helpful. It is, it is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. It is, it is, it is the, 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 the bread, the word of God that is for us. And so I'm going to pray. And this is high school fuse. We don't have to worry about, you know, there being some, some young 12, 11, 12 year olds who just don't have the capacity to get down. Okay. So, so what we're going to do, we're going to pray for a minute. And when I say we're going to pray, I'm saying, Hey, high school fuse, we're going to pray. You're going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I'm not just going to pray and just tell God what our agenda is tonight. Because prayer is going in, in, into conversation with the guy who was smart enough to create the world. If we do all the talking, we're dumb. We're going to do some listening. So we're going to pray. All of us are going to pray. Whether you're good at it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, we're going to pray. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell God the things that we'd like for him to do tonight. And then we're going to just sit quietly. We're going to ask God to speak to us tonight and work in us. And then we're going to open the Bible. I don't have a good message for you tonight. I got some Bible and I got 20 minutes to roll through it. All right. So let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for your deep, serious, eternal commitment to our growth. I thank you, God, that as complicated sometimes as your will is, as, as narrow as the path is sometimes, as, 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 uh, as hard as it is to find sometimes, God, I thank you that it's as simple as your word says, that your ultimate goal for us is just to become like Jesus. So we're going to face challenges. We're going to face tests. We're going to face opportunities, trials. We're going to get blessings we never could have asked for. All in this beautiful journey that we're on to become more like Jesus. So Holy Spirit, will you come now into every room where some students are gathered? And will you soften our hearts? Will you reframe our mind, renew our mind to fall in love with your word? Give us a supernatural ability, regardless of our uh, reading level, God. Give us a supernatural ability to see and cherish and value the scriptures that you have given to us. They're so rich. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come and you'd, you'd turn our eyes on Jesus to see his sacrifice, to see his glory, to see his worth, to see his honor, to see his value. Would you help us to find our identity as sons and daughters of God the Father who never one time ever in the history of creation has made a mistake and it didn't start with us. There's an intention deep in our heart. So Father, we bless you. We say thank you. You're good, you're kind, you're beautiful, you're strong, you're mighty to deliver us, you're glorious. 
You are worth all of our focus and all of our attention. And so God, we give it all back to you now and hope that we would receive from you what only we can receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab your Bible and let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter one, verse 18. Now, before we do, I wanna let you know that this passage of scripture you likely have heard before, but you likely have heard this passage of scripture before at Christmas time. Because Christmas time, we talk about Jesus's birthday, right? We make a whole big thing about it. We do these silly things like buy each other presents with money we don't have. You know, we, we buy our high school girlfriend or boyfriend something insanely expensive, knowing that realistically in five weeks, we're not gonna be dating them anymore. Just, no, y'all don't do that? Okay, yeah, I bet. Um, And so we have to come to grips with the fact that this passage of scripture, this isn't a Christmas passage because when we pick up the book of Matthew, in fact, if you have a Bible, look, go ahead and just actually turn to the book of Matthew. I want to show you something. It's called, it's, it's titled the gospel according to Matthew and gospel means good news, and according to Matthew, means that this guy, Matthew, is writing down some good news. So when you open your Bible to read the gospel according to Matthew, if you don't have some context, then even though somebody's gonna tell you, hey man, start in the New Testament. What is that? I just start in the New Testament. You're gonna flip to the New Testament, and you have no context for the fact that the last page of the Old Testament, right before this, there is a person named Malachi, who's prophesying, uh, and then after he closes his mouth, then nobody in the world heard from God for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And we don't know that, so we just turn over in this pretty little handwriting that says the New Testament. So then we turn it over and we start, oh, the gospel according to Matthew. And, And we don't realize and understand that we're turning the page, not just on hundreds and hundreds of years of history, but we're turning the page on a completely different way of God and man relating to each other. Because this whole first part of the Bible, all 988 pages of my Bible, every bit of this is filled with promises that God was giving to his covenant people, Israel, that he had chosen for himself, that he had set apart, promise after promise after promise. I'm gonna deliver you, I'm gonna give you your own land, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna do all these things. You've heard all these beautiful stories of the Old Testament of David and Goliath and all these things. All these promises God made to his people. And then you turn the page and all of a sudden it just starts with a list of names of people and then somewhere in there this guy named Jesus is born. And we have no context for this. We don't understand. So we just pick this up and we're just kind of going, oh, this is okay, cool. And then we get to the birth of Jesus. We're like, oh, I went to Christmas one time with my family and I held a candle and the wax melted on my hand and we read this story. Oh, when Jesus was born and there were wise men, he was a baby in a manger and they were animals and you know, yeah, so I, I remember this story. But what we don't see and what we're not going through is there's this man named Matthew who was so close to Jesus. He was walking with him and living with him and he did everything Jesus did for three and a half years while Jesus was doing ministry. And he gets to the point where he goes, I have to record some of these things and write this down so that when I die, I can pass this history on to people so people can continue to believe in Jesus. And so there is a man named Matthew who lived with Jesus, historic proof. Okay, so when you get to college and a professor tries to tell you or when somebody who's an atheist in your school who's 16 years old and read one blog on the internet and now they think they're just a genius about God's not real, okay? Been there, done that. 
So when they, get, when they do that and they start asking you questions, you can go, no, 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 you understand that the Bible is historically the most accurate book ever that we have. Of this much history, this much data, it, this, is, this is real history. Matthew walked with Jesus and he wrote this stuff down. Well, who's he writing it to? Is he writing it to Americans? Well, 2,000 years ago, guess what? America didn't exist. Neither did lots of other people groups, okay? So he's writing to people that were Jewish. He's writing to men and women who loved God, the God that's all in this first part of the Bible. They loved that God. They followed that God. That God delivered their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. He brought them out to the promised land. They went through the desert. He delivered them through the Red Sea. You know, you know all the stories, okay? And so then he gets them. And so they, they had all the festivals and all the things going on. So they knew about that God. And these people need to be convinced that Jesus, who's, who's coming and making some incredible claims, that he is the fulfillment of all of these promises that have been made to them. So we're going to do a slow scrape through these seven verses of scripture. And I'm going to show you some things in here. And I'm going to put some tools in your belt so when you get up to do a quiet time in the morning, and please get up and do a quiet time in the morning. You can look however you want to look. Put a song on and sing. Read a verse of scripture and just think about it. Get on your knees and pray to God. And if you fall asleep, wake up and finish the prayer. You know, just get in the word. Get in time with God in the morning. Okay, so let's do this. This is Matthew, a guy who walked with Jesus, one of his disciples. He's writing a, a, a letter. He's, he's documenting history, things that he saw, that he witnessed with Jesus. And he's passing it down to Jewish men and women trying to make a, a, a valid proof to them that Jesus is the one who they have been told was going to come. Okay, and I'll show you this in a second, how they were told he was going to come. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Pause. If somebody writes about how you were born, you better be an important person. I would never write a story about how my two children were born. You would all vomit. Okay? Now, the birth of my children took place in this way. We went to the hospital. It was disgusting. Everything smells weird. Everybody in there is just on edge. Everybody passes out. Babies look like aliens. There it is. All right? You, nobody would ever write down how the birth of someone took place unless that person was extremely important and every detail mattered. Do you understand? So when you read this, don't just read this and go, okay, he's writing about the birth of Jesus. No, no, no. He's writing about the birth of God who decided to be born as a human. Okay? So if somebody writes down the details of somebody else's birth, it's because they matter. So the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary, who was a teenager, had been betrothed, that's engaged, um, to Joseph, before they came together, that's a polite Bible way of saying before they had sex, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what Matthew is writing to these Jewish people is um, there is a woman named Mary who is a young woman. She is pregnant, and it is not from her fiance, Joseph. She's a virgin. She's not had sex with Joseph, and she's pregnant with a baby from the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to pause here, and I'm, I'm going to show you why I'm slowly scraping through this. Because if you're not careful, because we're in church in the South, and most of the people that you know go to church somewhere, you're just going to go along and you're going to say you believe this. You're going to just say that you believe it. No one's going to pressure you into reckoning this belief until maybe you get to college or until maybe you're hanging out with your girlfriend's parents or until maybe you're around this group of people and they're going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You genuinely believe in your heart 
that Jesus Christ was in Mary's belly because the Holy Spirit, and she was a virgin. And you've got to reckon this down into your personal belief system. You got to handle this. Mommy and daddy can't defend you when you're at college or when you're in the locker room or when you're in the hallway and somebody's trying to ask you, do you really believe this? Don't matter what, don't matter what Caleb White thinks about this. This is your belief because this is the gospel. This is the good news according to Matthew. Okay? When her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, basically he's saying, um, oh, there you go, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Can you get me a new microphone before I throw this one in the garbage can? You guys give me a second. Andrew, I'm putting in a PO for a new mic. This happens with this one. Thank you, Josh. Hey, there we go. Awesome. Okay, back to the scriptures. Okay. I'm unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, because he's a good guy, and he obviously thinks that Mary's crazy. He thinks that Mary, he, he thinks the same thing that you would think. He thinks that Mary had sex with another guy, because you don't get pregnant from the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to show you why this matters. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, okay, so this is why he didn't divorce Mary. Because an angel came to him in a dream. And if you're going to claim Jesus as Lord, these are some of the things you're going to grow into having to believe. This is not little kid vacation Bible school faith. This is you understanding that Mary was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Joseph didn't divorce her because an angel shows up and says this. Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, which means he saves, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place. Here we go, you ready? To fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Now, if you, if you have a Bible, look down into your Bible and see that this next portion of scripture is off by itself. It's off by itself and kind of in a little thing because it's a quote. And when it's quoting something, ah, turn the air off, let's just sweat so it'll quit blowing my Bible around. When it's quoting something, you need to look back in your Bible and figure out what is it quoting? Who is it quoting? This is another part of the Bible that it's quoting. Well, it said, this was to fulfill what the prophet had spoken. So there's a prophet somewhere in the Bible who spoke about the thing that Joseph is having a dream about. Which, by the way, his dream is about not divorcing his virgin wife who's just pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? And so let's look at the prophet. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 7. There's a man named Ahaz who is, sorry, um, you guys go stay in Matthew 1. Let me finish this scripture really fast and then, then we'll go. Um, okay, behold, this is verse 23. This is to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. May, raise your hand if you ever heard the name Emmanuel. Okay, we're, we're gonna show that here in a second. And it means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not, meaning he did not have sex with her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, this is 700, people think, between 7 and 760 years before Jesus Christ ever shows up on the scene, there is a man named Ahaz 
in the book of Isaiah records several different people's prophecies. And prophecy is when you get a word from God, God will deliver through you a message to people. And you can still do this. People still prophesy. It happens all the time. Some of you have a gift of prophecy. We're going to help you discover it and develop it and grow it so you can build the church and serve the church with it. Isaiah chapter 7 Pick this up in verse 14. So this is 750 years before Jesus ever shows up. This is a man who gets a message from God in his prayer time one day, and he delivers it to people. And here's what the message is. You ready? Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. So now are you starting to understand why Matthew, who is a Jewish man, who is following Jesus, who believes that Jesus Christ has come to be the fulfillment of all of the promises in the first part of this Bible. Now do you understand why he's taking care to write down the details of the birth of Jesus Christ because he was born from a virgin? Because he's trying to make an evidence, he's trying to make a case to these Jewish people that Jesus Christ is in fact the one that they have been told was gonna come. And so he's saying, no, 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 here's how his birth took place. He's born to a virgin. Anybody who had the promises of the coming Messiah in their heart, in their mind, that grandma and grandpa or great grandma and grandpa had told them about a coming Messiah, as soon as you heard he was born of a virgin, their ears would have perked up. They would have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was told, we, we used to read the scroll every week and we'd read the scroll, sing the song, do the thing, do the dance. And then we would, t- the Messiah would come one day, be born of a virgin. And so Matthew, as he's walking with Jesus, he's writing this down. He's going, no, 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 I'm telling you, this is the guy born from a virgin in Isaiah chapter seven. So we have to understand when you pick up a Bible verse, there's so much in it that if you're just trying to just kind of read it and do your thing, and if walking with God becomes religious activity where you check the box, you do the thing, you move on to the next thing, you're gonna be over it in just a couple of years. You'll get hyped up at Gauntlet. We'll sing a song. God will wreck your heart. You'll have a massive, snotty, quiet prayer time. It'll be incredible. Then you walk out of here and you forget about it. But if we can learn to look at the Bible and read the Bible and love the Bible and understand the Bible and figure out what it is and who Jesus is and what does it look like to follow him, then I'm telling you, there's not enough time in the world that you won't spend sitting down, worshiping God on your own with the Bible, learning it, singing songs, praying with him. And so... We pick this up with the word Emmanuel. And Isaiah records that Ahaz got this this prophetic word that one day there would be a, a, a virgin who would give birth to a baby and he would be known as God with us. And this is why this is important. And the reason we're gonna spend the next nine weeks going through a series that we're calling The Way which is not a really creative title, by the way. It's not really that cool. The branding, we didn't try to really make it that cool. You wanna know why? Because cool isn't that cool. You know what's cool? Following Jesus for a long, long time. Not just, our goal is not just to do middle school fuse and have it be so lit that all of them make it to high school and then we can go, dude, we got hundreds of kids to come from middle school fuse to high school. The goal is not just to have you come into high school fuse as a freshman and to graduate out as a senior. And we can say, man, they only, they only made like a handful of really stupid decisions the whole time they were in high school. It was incredible. 
and then just send you off to college and see you later. No, no, no. The goal is as soon as you will give us the honor of entrusting us with your heart and your soul, we want to show you Christ. And we want to pray for you and beg God to light your heart on fire for the risen Jesus, Emmanuel, who is God with us, who is still with us, so that you will follow him all the days of your life. The goal is to have you become 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old to get into the next season of life. And not only are you still around, but you love God way more than you do now. And you're pouring back in into a whole other generation of people that come along. They're going, who are these people? Why do they not have busted up relationships like everybody that I went to school with? Why are their marriages awesome and they enjoy their jobs and they like coming around each other? Why do they do this? Because they're following the way. Because we've been given the way. And so I wanna just show you a couple of things really fast in closing. The name Jesus means he saves, which is great. He saves. How many of you have ever heard you give your life to Christ and you'll get saved. You grew up in church, you saw somebody get saved. You came to Fuse and you saw somebody get saved. Great. Get saved from what? Get saved from what? Okay, we got one one answer here. The devil sins, death. Look, these are the kind of things you need to be asking yourself. As you read the Bible, as you sit down and you go, okay, if I'm okay, because here's the deal. At the end of the day, nobody gets into heaven because somebody else made the decision for them, right? You know this. You got to make the decision. This is your call to make. So my job is not to force you into a decision, to yell at you until you do what I say. My job is to help present the case to you, to show you Jesus, to, to help you fall in love with the word so you can see him for yourself and then empower you to hopefully make the decision. But here's the deal. When you see that Jesus is called Savior, You've got to ask the question, what do I need saving from? Because if you read the text, what you're going to find out is God killed, God defeated the devil and it literally took that long. Okay. You you got to understand that um, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, crossed, that's not, that's not it. It's cross. There's no T on that. If you never read the Bible, there's no T on the word cross. Okay. Don't look for that. When he died on the cross, when he was buried in a tomb, when he was resurrected from the grave, what that did was it put an end to the power of sin and death in your life. And now you have the ability to be saved from your sin. But the only way that you receive salvation from Jesus Christ is by admitting that you have sin in your life that you need to be saved from. Right? It's it's quite simple. And that's why we're going to encourage things over this next season like confession. We're going to build the idea of confession into our lives. That looks so stupid, doesn't it? Why would I do that? Anyway, we're going to make it a part of high school fuse consistently. We're going to call you to confess your sins. You don't have to like, we're not going to like give you a microphone and say, hey, get up on stage and tell everybody the 10 worst things you did this week, right? We're not trying to shame you. But the reason we're going to build confession into our time with God is because confession frees us of our shame. Confessing confessing our sin to God, it removes us of our guilt. I'm not guilty of this. Jesus took the penalty for that. Jesus took the payment for that. I'm not guilty of this sin. But when we confess to our friends and people that we trust and our leaders that care for us, when we confess to other people, it removes the shame from us. 
Look, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive the free gift of salvation. I'll prove it to you. If you got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter six. There's this guy, Paul, and he's trying to write letters to other churches that he's helping plant. And he's trying to help small groups of people who believe Jesus and love Jesus understand what's happening. He's helping put some language to this. He says this in Romans chapter six, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. So let me make it just as plain and clear as I possibly can. You have sin in your life. Everyone, every single person that can hear me and everybody that goes to your high school and everybody that'll go to your high school when you graduate, they're sinners. They have sin in their life. And the Bible says that the wages of those sin is death. Why? If you cuss me out, you didn't really sin against me. I mean, it's fine. I'll get offended. I'll get over it. You you, you cuss me out. The, The problem is you're sinning against God who made you in his image. And God is holy and he's perfect and he's eternal. And so one sin against an eternal God is an eternal consequence. And so whatever the solution for sin was gonna come and be, it couldn't be the blood of bulls and goats and rams anymore like they had in the first part of the Bible. They had all the promises made. It couldn't be those anymore because they would just come and it would kind of be a payment for a little while. It would kind of clear their record and then they would start over again. And so God looks from heaven and he sees that there's one possible solution to fix the problem of sin with human beings. Somebody that's a human being has to pay for the sins of human beings. But it can't be somebody who's sinned because that's a blemish sacrifice. That's not a spotless lamb. That's not the sacrifice that God required. And so God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to fulfill the prophecies to be born of a virgin, to take on flesh, to face sin and temptation, to never bend his knee to sin, to never give in. And he lived and it was a perfect life and he perfectly served the will of God the Father. And he joyfully went to the cross and died for you and for me. And our job, my job, over this next season of High School Fuse for everybody at every campus is to help make sure that that doesn't live in your mind as a fairy tale. That that doesn't sit in the, in the library of your brain like Harry Potter or like some movie that you've seen. Because it's not a fairy tale. And it's not some silly story that a bunch of people made up and lied about. And if it was it would be irresponsible for me to tell you anything besides, man, you should live your life and do whatever you want to do. If Jesus Christ is not real, if he's not alive, if he's not returning for us one day, then you should spend every single second of every day living to please every carnal pleasure that you can possibly think of. But if he is, and if he's real, and if this Bible is not just fairy tale, but it's proven historical accurate data that shows that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all the promises God gave to his people. If he was Lord, if he really lived a perfect life, if he really died on the cross, really was buried in a tomb and the power of the Holy Spirit really resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave. If he's really seated right now at the right hand of God, the father waiting on the moment to come back and sweep his church back to glory with him forever. If it's all real, 
then we've all got to reckon with that eternal reality. And you got to do it at 15 years old. You got to do it at 16 years old. And then you got to do it next year, next week. You got to do it tomorrow morning. And so what we're going to do for all of us together over this season, we're going to learn how to read the Bible and we're going to learn how to grow and mature and feed ourselves on the word. And we're going to sing. You're going to get better at singing over this next season. You want to know why? We're going to force you to. We're not like teaching you music. All right, you can, you can like learn piano or something, work on your tone. But I'm saying we're going to learn how to sing. You want to know why? Because worship connects me to God's heart immediately. More than anybody who can stand up here and preach, it will, it will scare you. Some of you men that don't know how to feel nothing and you're just like acting like you're tough all the time, you start to sing a couple of songs and see how much you feel, it'll scare you to death. You want to know why? Because you were created to connect with God's heart. You were created to know how God feels about you. You do that by worship. We're going to create time for, for repentance. Like when we respond here and just, I'm over my time, but it's first night, so I'll just take a couple liberties here. When, when we create response time here in a minute, like what, what will be a complete loss is if anybody doesn't do what you feel like I called you to do because all you want to do is look around at the people around you. No, no, no. We're going to create time for repentance, which means if you need to find space at the front of your stage or auditorium or go to the back and you need to lay on your face and you need to confess your sin to God and you need to change your mind about your sin, this is going to be the space where we grow in our ability to repent. This is going to be the space where we grow in our ability to praise and worship God. This is going to be the space where we learn to pray, where the gift on your life to connect and commune with God the Father through prayer is going to grow. If you get a word for somebody, you see somebody across the way and you know you need to go encourage them, you go encourage them, lay a hand on their shoulder and pray for them. If you just feel like, man, there's somebody I need to go over here and just pray, this is going to be the space where it gets cultivated because none of us are perfect. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to respond and we're going to sing and we're going to pray. We're going to repent. We're going to confess. We're going to grow if you want to sit, just sit in your chair and just read your Bible for the next few minutes while we sing, that's fine. If you want to get signed up to be a part of a fuse group so somebody can help you in your discipleship journey, that's fine. If you need to lay on your face because you, you've been spending all of your time this week doing anything but enjoying God's presence, you've been just so filled up with sin in your life, you don't even know what to do, and you just feel just, you just want to get wrecked with the love of God, you just want to lay on your face, that's fine. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and the Spirit of God is quickening you to believe that He's Lord, that He's real, and you want to follow Him for the first time, then you need to find somebody with a sticker who's a volunteer and you need to say, lead me to Christ. All right? But this time's on you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. We're going to tell you when to leave in a few minutes. So you stand up on every campus. Stand up to your feet. Let's pray. And let's, let's jump into our time where we respond. So God, I just pray for us over this next season as we learn to love you because God, over this next season, you're gonna teach us how much you actually have first loved us. God, as we begin to learn who we are, not because of the things that we do for you, but rather because of who we are to you, which is your son, your daughter, loved, valued, cherished deeply. That we don't have to fall victim to the pressure coming from our friends or our, our enemies or our, our moms and dads or our older brothers and sisters, but that we can just rest 
in the identity of who you've made us to be. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come in this next season, over these next few minutes, over these next songs, that you would begin to move in the rooms, that you would begin to soften us, to open ourselves to a real, genuine relationship with you, to communion, community with you, God that we would find this longing in our soul to be with you, to walk with you, to hear from you, to see your face, and we would not stop until we are fulfilled by you alone. So God, we bless you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.